I don't know if you noticed um, the art on the front of the bulletin today. Um, it's by a United Methodist minister and artist and writer, Jan Richardson, and it is entitled um, Gathering of the Saints. Um, and that, that special had a lot of the uh, When the Saints Go Marching In feel to it, so we could have followed it with that. Um, but this picture, this artwork, gives us art to come alongside the voice of one speaking the powerful imagery of Revelation. After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. A beautiful diversity of people from every nation gathered around God's throne. For as much as Revelation is talked about, dissected, misinterpreted, one of the real practical messages within it is this direct connection between heaven and earth. And Revelation was written to be read aloud and all at once. Early worshipers would have heard from start to finish this compelling story with vivid imagery and a repetition of certain themes. Battle, struggle, triumph. Ultimately walking away with a call to trust in God's future deliverance and promise of God's mercy in the present. Passages from Revelation are named and shared as the annual celebration of All Saints rolls around every year because it originally spoke to a people whose current reality was harsh and scary, the future unknown, and they were told to hang in there. Stay the course. God wins. Revelation 7, 9 through 17 is lifted on this day, offering us a distinct expression of God's great good news. When all is ended, an uncountable throng of absolute diversity will worship together in the presence of God who wipes away every tear. It is a breathtaking image. From the voice of Revelation, we move to Jesus' own voice, the Beatitudes in Matthew, introducing Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. We hear again what it means for heaven and earth to meet. With the Beatitudes, Jesus speaks a vision of what matters in the kingdom of heaven. In the Roman world of Jesus' day, position, power, possessions were the elements essential to a good life, and not much has changed. But Jesus says with the Beatitudes, the value of the kingdom, the values of the kingdom of God are shaped by something else. Poverty, peacemaking, persecution. So I invite you to hear now Matthew 5, 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. 
Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I've always thought that um, the Beatitudes are a little hard to preach. They aren't practical, Um, especially if you read Luke's account. Matthew at least puts a little bit of a spiritual bent on it. But this idea of being blessed because you're poor or sad or meek or hungry or thirsty or persecuted, how to name this in a way that says, okay, I get it. I understand how to live this out. I see what it is I need to do. I remind myself that those hearing Jesus' voice as this message was shared Well, they would not have been the upper echelon of Roman society, not even those of the ruling wealthy Jewish aristocracy, but the people of the land, the poor of the land. They heard these words and said, this is me. I feel seen. You mean there's more to life than struggle and injustice and hunger? More to life than I have come to know in this life, in this world? Richard Rohr addressed, his own, addressed our discomfort with the Beatitudes in his book, Things Hidden. And I named this at our discussion night um, for Rohr's book. But this part, uh, the part about the blessed state of the poor, the sad, the meek, the hungry, the thirsty, the persecuted, this reversal to which the Beatitudes speak, this part of the book really hit me. It challenged me. I still hold it wondering, what am I supposed to do with that? And here's the one line I can't let go of. Isn't it ironic, he says, that most of the gospel has probably been preached and taught by people who are very comfortable. That's almost an assurance that these preachers will largely miss the point, and they will not preach the true or full message. He goes on to say, to be on the bottom instead of the top is a great leap forward in knowing what needs to be known. Jesus did not offer these beginning words of the Sermon on the Mount to those sitting on top, but to the people of the land, the poor of the land, because they would hear and receive and believe and share this message in a different way from those on top, those who are comfortable, different from me. Wounded and rejected people, Rohr says, have a much greater chance of seeing clearly and having something to say. So yeah, the Beatitudes are a little hard to preach. They aren't practical. And they come off feeling very 
up here, very utopian. We, those of us who are comfortable, can hear them and we can simply leave them up here, missing the powerful message that they do speak. There was a commentary I was reading this week, and they named some of this, and they said, obviously, the point of the Beatitudes is not to somehow become the poor, the sad, or the meek, or the hungry, or the thirsty, or the persecuted. They aren't lessons on how to curry God's favor or tasks that result in rewards. It's not about trying to get on the list of those who are blessed in the kingdom of heaven. Although I do think there's something to be said about striving to be on top, but I'll have to trust that a month-long series on the prophets spoke to that. What the Beatitudes do in this meeting of heaven and earth is reflect what God values. The Beatitudes voice for us that when we align our aims with God's, we are formed and we are shaped towards God's purposes. Two theologians, Dorothy Bath and Craig Dijkstra, they name it this way. The Beatitudes invite us to participate in Christian practices such as compassion, hospitality, and acts that enhance the well-being of creation. And when we participate in Christian practices such as compassion, hospitality, and acts that enhance the well-being of creation, over time, we are changed. We begin to value what God values. We come to honor what God honors. Not only do we comprehend the needs of those around us more fully, but faithfulness to God's values shapes the way we understand God's work in the world. It allows us to hear and to see those wounded and rejected people who have a much greater chance of seeing clearly and who indeed have something to say. The voice and imagery of revelation and the speaking of blessedness within the hard places of life in the Beatitudes, will they both name a reality that we hold close this day? All of us are mortal. We have this life to work with God through the power of the Holy Spirit in blessing the world in seeing those who go unseen, of exploring injustice and seeking to enact change, of partnering with God in those places where heaven and earth meet, of giving voice to the goodness of God. Ultimately, the comfort and strength we are given every All Saints is a reminder we are not alone, we lean into our faith story, one that says we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, one that says God is faithful, evil will not have the last word, death is not the end of the story. And that would be a great place to simply say amen. But I have two more voices to lift. The first takes us back to the beginning words of worship, Psalm 34, a personal song of one who is testifying to God's goodness. The psalmist recalls a difficult time when I sought the Lord and God answered me. Heaven and earth meet in the goodness of God, seeking, receiving, 
giving thanks. The second voice, a voice of one of the saints, fitting for All Saints Sunday. Um, think back to September 11th, 2022, and Weisenborn shared her testimony of reflecting on a life open to God. And one of her final stories was about a class of college students who came in every day complaining. I took it upon myself, she said, to challenge them to name one good thing they had seen all day or one good thing they had seen all week. And it took several weeks before the entire class could do it. I did the same for a youth group, she says. And some of them never came up with anything good that they could see. My heart went out to them. God is around us if we choose to look. God is faithful if we allow God to be. She spoke a truth for her um, and for all of us, as she said, we wonder sometimes, is God near? And I find myself these days having multiple conversations with God about this, that I'm determined to look for God's presence in blessings. Birds in the yard, ducks in the pond, the sound of children across the street, comfort of neighbors, and for this, my church. Blessings are near if we choose to look for them. I shared this with those of you who attended her memorial service, and I also shared this, that Anne struggled to see how God could continue to use her. She was not ready to be done with this life. But this is what I know, that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, moved through Anne and used Anne to show us how it looks to lean into God when life throws the worst at you, when the unfairness of life bubbles up into your own reality, what it looks like to indeed remain open to a life with God until you take that last breath. This is the gift and leaves us a voice like the psalmist of one seeking, receiving, giving thanks. And Anne's own journey of faith, which I think she would appreciate, will take us into our next theme within this wisdom of scripture year. Um, gratitude. We begin today by giving thanks for all the saints. And by lifting voices that take us all the way back to the ancient voice of the psalmist, centers us in the teachings of Jesus, places us within this time and place, and points us forward to the eschatological banquet when all shall be gathered as one at God's table and all manner of things shall be well. As a way of preparing to come to table, I invite you to hear uh, the Beatitudes again from Des Archbishop, Des Archbishop Desmond Tutu's Children's Bible. One day, Jesus told his followers about God's dream of a world where all the children of God are loved and cared for, and no one is left out. Blessed are you who are poor, for all God's world is yours. Blessed are you who are hungry, for God will feed you. 
Blessed are you who are sad, for God will comfort you and you will laugh again. Blessed are you who feed the poor, for you are the hands of God. Blessed are you who comfort the sad, for you are the arms of God. Blessed are you who work for peace, for you are the voice of God. Blessed are you who are loving and kind, for you are the heart of God. Amen.